This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of two, and soon to be three, and a practicing physician. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, We want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 15. We are discussing mornings, what we do with our mornings or don't do with our mornings in my case, but Sarah does a lot more with her mornings. But this is related to our opening topic of sleep, which as parents of small children, has become somewhat of an obsession for for both of us. How much are you sleeping these days, Sarah? I sleep a fair amount these days. I, You know, I'm kind of like you. Like, I'm not necessarily an eight hours kind of person. I know you'll get to your very specific, very specific number later in this podcast. But like normally seven will do it. But lately, it's definitely been closer to the eight. But the only thing is I have insomnia, which is so unlike me. Like normally... I can sleep through anything. Like if I want to go to sleep at any moment, I can and I can stay asleep. But right now, if something wakes me up in the middle of the night, which random things often do, like my husband coming upstairs or one of my kids, then I can't get back to sleep. So I'll be awake from like 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. And it's yeah. crazy. Is, it's not is, like is the baby keeping you? Is that keeping you up or is she? Sometimes it is that. Yeah, she starts to. And it's funny. I'm actually very comfortable in bed, um, which is 
like I think it's because we have a better mattress this time around, honestly, and I like kind of have the pillow technique down. So it's not even like, oh, I'm so miserable. And by the way, for reference, as we're recording this, I'm like almost 35 weeks. So who knows? Maybe there'll be a baby by the time it air- oh, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't. I think it's hormonal. I think it's a insomnia type yeah. thing. Yeah. So what do you do? Do you just lie there or do you try to? I try to lie there and then I give up and I read a book and then usually if I read for like an hour, I can fall back asleep. So at least I've kind of enjoying that. Like, and I have the perfect book for it. I'm reading Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stegner and it's sort of plotting, but in a nice, calm way. And it's like, it was designed to be read. Yeah, to I would say there's so. some books that are good for insomnia. <laughs> there are some books that are not good for insomnia and that <laughs> you got to find the right yeah, ones. Yeah, no thrillers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe sort of like slow poetry or something. I've been reading this Mary Oliver book of poems and it struck me as I was reading it. Yeah. This would be a good book for 2am if I was up. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Maybe I should get some yeah, poems. A little bit here and, there. Uh, and, and you're pretty, uh, your, your kids are pretty good sleepers though, right? Oh, yes. So I will say like, I guess it was two nights ago, my my three and a half year old did wake up at 2am and that's what woke me up then. But like 98% of the time they sleep great. They go to bed around eight, they get up between 630 and seven. And you know, I'm past that point where it's like, will my kids sleep through the night? Like, yes, they do. I am not quite at that point. But you are. Yeah. <laughs> I should be. My little guy is, is only a year younger than yours. So this is not even a year younger than your your little guy. But uh, we he's just he's just rough. He's been rough. But I so I sleep. Sarah was joking about the specificity of this. I sleep seven point four hours per day. That doesn't mean I, I sleep seven point four hours every day. That's an average. That's a long term average because I'm the time management freak who's been tracking my time for two and a half years. And what was funny about that is that I learned that seven point four hours was my number. I, so I, you know, did my tallies on the first six months after I made it through six months, and it was like seven point four hours. Oh, it's interesting. Okay. Then the next six months was also 7.4 hours. <laughs> and then you know, when I did the second year, it was also 7.4 hours. I mean, literally the average between year one and year two, it was like 7.39 and 7.404. I mean, it was within a minute. That is so interesting. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> I guess you, it's my point. And you didn't track during pregnancy. So no, so I don't have that. And I do know, I mean, people can... <laughs> sleep less for extended periods of time if they have to. But what I think what I think actually happens for a lot of people who don't have chronic insomnia, which again is like a medical condition that has to be treated and all that, but most people who don't have that have a set point that I do believe they will catch up to one way or the other. And you can catch up to it in very miserable ways, like falling asleep in meetings or you know, or like, you know, sleeping through things you should have been in. But what'll happen, I see this on time logs, is people will say, oh, I sleep six hours a night. And what they mean is they slept six hours Monday and Tuesday. And then things mm-hmm. fell apart. And then they crashed and slept, they slept 10, 10 hours. hours they slept through their alarm on or, Thursday. Yeah. They took a little giant nap on Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, you did sleep six hours two nights of the week, but added up, it came to like 50 hours, which is seven point, you know, eight or whatever. You know, it's a different, it's a different thing. 7.08. Sorry, my math is wrong. Well, I'm definitely one of those people who does not follow the adage of like, keep the exact schedule every day. I have like my weekday kind of schedule and then I have a weekend and I definitely 
I probably make up sleep to some extent, but mostly I just shift everything later. Well, I, and I'm, I don't have set hours either. I, I try to, I've tried to for a long time, especially when my little guy was waking up at ridiculous hours, 4.45, 5. And then I really, during the week, had to be asleep by 10.30 because there wasn't really much opportunity to make it up. And so I'd try to get in bed at 10. And so I'd hopefully get 10 to 5 and get the seven hours. And then I would average to my 7.4 with getting to take naps on weekends and stuff. But it's gotten a little better. And and because it's been getting a little better in the morning, I start staying up later (laughs) because that's my natural inclination. That's your inclination. inclination. Yeah. So... Which which brings us, if I may, <laughs> to segue into our main episode on morning routines, because I am somewhat obsessed with people's morning routines. I, I wrote a book about people's morning routines, which had this really clickbait headline called What the Most Successful People <laughs> for Breakfast. But Sarah is one of these people who has a really good morning routine. So, so what, is, what does yours look like these days? Well, or like not, not the these days, thirty-five weeks pregnant, but like okay, during other time. <laughs> well, no, I'm doing the same thing now, thirty-five weeks pregnant, that I do not pregnant. So actually, that part's fair. And as an aside, I said this before. Like to me, third try, like I'll take it any day over first try. Like I feel pretty normal most of the time, to be honest. But I was going to say, total disclaimer is that I'm like a hundred percent lark. Like, and I know that's in my nature. And my parents actually both. I would say lean that way. Well, my dad more than my mom and it must be genetic or something because I just, I have a much easier time getting up to an alarm and getting up early than I do staying up. And that's not always a great thing. I mean, it's rewarded in our society because you can get a lot done in the morning. You know, you're not late for stuff, but then it's kind of like less fun sometimes because I know if I go to a movie and it's starting at nine, like unless the movie is riveting, I'm going to fall asleep against my will. So it's not necessarily, I feel like it's seen as this like great thing and it, I, I think it has good size and it has bad yeah, size, saying, <laughs> but the good side, you want to be the lark who's um, able to stay up till 1am on the party <laughs> night or something. <laughs> I really do. I mean, and I try, but like even in college, I mean, in college being a lark meant you got up at like nine. Although sometimes I would take 8am classes for that reason. Cause I was like, I don't mind. Yeah, I'll do you that. Could actually, um, I'm going to bed at like, like one. <laughs> your, your classmates. <laughs> Exactly. But then I would be jealous of my roommate who would like sleep till 2 p.m. every day and stay up till like 5 or 6. You know what I mean? Like, so it's all relative. But currently, okay, so my morning routine, definitely different from college. I usually get up between 4.50 and 5 a.m. Sometimes I set it for 4.50 because then I just feel like I can get downstairs by 5 a.m. So that's a little, maybe a little compulsive, but whatever. I kind of like it. And then... Lately, actually, I've been trying really hard not to look at my phone before I like as the first thing, because I'll notice that the minutes just go by. So I saw it somewhere, probably on my phone, ironically, but really like I, I just don't look at it. I come downstairs. I kind of plan out the day. I have been going back to trying a short little meditation, like five minute kind of a session. So that's kind of fun. And then I either write a blog post or I sort of do my own organizational tasks or journaling, like, you know, something that's going to stay private. And I don't have like a plan, like Monday I do this, Tuesday I do this. It's just like whatever feels right that day. I don't usually do work, work. It's more like strategic planning. Like I'm planning out the week or I'm planning out the month or I'm, you know, thinking about what I want to do for the weekend or even like if I have 
I don't know, an intricate day with a bunch of moving parts. I'm thinking about how that's going to work. So that I drink my coffee. I kind of hang out. That lasts till about 5.40, 5.45. And then I usually, if I'm going, if it's a workout morning, which I try to do like at least two, usually three weekdays, but sometimes it's two, but usually it's three. Then by 5.45, I start running or doing a bar workout. And then I'm done by before 6.30, I shower and then the kids are up by then. So once the kids are up, it just becomes kind of like family hangout breakfast. And then our nanny comes at 7.30 and I leave for work at 7.45. So that's pretty much, I get a lot done in that, I guess, two and a two, two hour and 45 minute. Firing and I'll fill in there. there. I mean, you got the long term strategic <laughs> planning, right? So that's sort of, I think of that as workish kind of thing, even if it's not, you know, your main job focus necessarily, but uh and the long-term stuff, sometimes I'm thinking, like this morning, it's the beginning of the month, and I was like sort of putting together like my work goals and my personal goals, and what do I need to get done work-wise and home-wise before the baby's born. So yes, it can, it can, there can be some work flavors And then, and then there. you've got yes. the personal in the form of the workouts and the meditation, and then you've got the kid time in the morning that you have family breakfast. Yeah. And I bet that kid time counts. I mean, that's, you know, it's not, it's usually an hour. It's not tons and tons of time, but between the time that I'm done with my shower and the kids are up and I have breakfast with them, it is a fairly quality hour. And as we've talked about dinner, everyone's cranky, but breakfast, everyone's usually kind of happy and cute. And I really so just it. a logistical question here. Do, does your alarm wake your husband up or is <laughs> <laughs> How does he well, feel about okay. the 450 alarm? No, he doesn't get to ever complain about my alarm because he tends to set his for like even earlier and then snooze 50 <laughs> times. So sorry, Josh. I mean, actually, he's really trying. But this morning, I think it went off. At, his went off at four because he like had some ambitions to do something. And then I said, please don't snooze. Please don't snooze because of my like sleep issues. Because currently it didn't honestly never bought, would bother me, but now it does. And then he didn't snooze. And then mine went off at 4.50. And I don't think it, we're both really tired. What is he doing at 4 a.m.? <laughs> I think he was planning on gutting up probably to do some patient notes, honestly, and maybe run. Because last night was Halloween and he did not get to, to get in a run that he wanted to do. <laughs> Um, he wants to get a lot done in the morning, but I think he is much less naturally able to wake up early and much more easily able to stay up late. So in his case, I think it's tougher because there's a bit of fighting the natural tendency, but I don't know. Neither of us really bother each other with the alarm. Plus mine is not that loud. I have this kind of, it's like, uh, you know, I set a custom one on my iPhone and it's like a song that starts and it's pretty, I usually hear it right when it first does. Cause again, I wake up pretty easily. So it's not like some loud thing jangling over and over again. It's like two bars of like a fairly quiet song and like, yeah, I'm out of there. I mean, that is the one thing I would, I would caution people if they're trying to do morning routines that if, if your spouse is not also getting up to do their morning routine, you need to uh, come up with a system that is uh, not going to massively annoy him or her. <laughs> so. Well, it's so funny because I guess some couples like the morning wake ups would bother each other, but you have to keep in mind also like, he did residency and surgery and be like out the door by 5am. And I, I never remember. And I, I just don't think it really ever like bothered. Like I didn't hear it. I don't know. We're, we're good at like ignoring each other. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> it didn't bother me and I don't gen to generally bother him. So I think we're just good sleepers except yeah. I'm pregnant. Yeah. But <laughs> so you get all this time to do all this productive stuff and by getting up early and, and to make that happen, you, you go to sleep at nine 30 at night though. Right. Yep. You got it. At least by 10. I mean, usually I'm like 
kind of headed upstairs by like nine, nine thirty, and then if the book is really good, maybe I'll last till ten, and then I'll pass out. So it's usually it usually turns out to be about seven hours most weekdays. But I don't run every day, so like. So I didn't run today because yesterday was crazy. I couldn't believe how many steps I got. And I'm like, I need to rest. So I think I got up at like 530. So I'll alter it. If I don't want to run, I'll wake up a little later. And then this morning, like I just like it was 530. So I guess I slept a little bit more. And I think I went to bed a little bit after 10. So So there's flexibility. It's not not exactly the same every day. Well, that's yeah, that's that's (laughs) great. I I don't have a morning routine. (laughs) Not at all. Well, I mean, there is one, but it's not really dictated by me in the sense that um, I would say most mornings of the week, I wake up to the two-year-old shouting, mommy, open my door. (laughs) Mommy, open my door. Because he is he is not safe to wander around the house by himself, so we have a child lock on his door, so he hasn't figured out how to get himself out of there yet. But but that doesn't mean he wants to stay in his room. So he's screaming like, "Open my door! Open my door!" The good news is that has. And wait, what time is that? <laughs> well, it's, the good news days? is it has moved later. <clears throat> it is seldom. Yay! It is seldom before six a.m. now, which you know, to some people listen. Oh, yeah, some people listening that, to be that like might be like, "Oh, I'm started before six a.m. Like, I'm I'm not going to have children." <laughs> but uh, it was um, it was much worse than that for a long time. So six a.m. I can kind of deal with anytime after six is great, and often it's after six thirty now, which is which is good. Um, my older children that get up is- much later than this. I usually have to wake up the older children around seven fifty to get ready for school. So. That first hour is all two-year-old time. If I'm home alone with him, meaning my my husband isn't also home, we'll we'll get up, we'll watch some form of cartoonish television. So <laughs> I'm I'm partial to I've been, you know, trying to manipulate this because I hate some of his shows. So I, I can tolerate Go Diego Go. I hate the adventures of Chuck and Friends. Unfortunately, he really likes the adventures of Chuck and friends. So we, we have our little showdowns about that occasionally. Uh, Paw Patrol is, is more doable. I, I don't mind. Paw Patrol. That's not bad. Have you tried Daniel Tiger? He, he, he was bored know? by it. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he's like a fast paced, like my kids will sit, my, even my five-year-old will sit there. Riveting no, I, to that. You know, like, he, he doesn't, so he's funny. watched it occasionally and he needs he, like, he even has gone against them. Um, <laughs> Caillou, we liked Caillou for a while, and then he decided he oh, couldn't, you know, no. which Caillou is occasionally, like, obnoxious four-year-old, too, so I, I don't really mind the passage of Caillou into the dustbin of our television history. Dinosaur, dinosaur train. train. Yeah. The dinosaur train shot. It's pretty, pretty tolerable. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we're watching Go Diego Go, and I'm drinking my coffee, and I'm reading on my Kindle app if I've got a good book going. So often I can get, you know, like the equivalent of 45 minutes of reading in in the morning. So I guess in that sense, it's like a morning routine of doing something I want to be doing. Um, but it's, uh, you know, reading reading on the Kindle app while he is yelling for things occasionally like, Mommy, commercials, <laughs> or Mommy, want whatever Cheerios mommy want. Yeah. So, uh, that happens until, you know, seven forty-five, and then I'm getting the other kids up to get them ready. And that's about the time our, our nanny comes. If my husband's here, you know, he'll, he'll do the, the hour with the baby and I'll you know, do other things. I'm I'll sleep oftentimes or I'll get up and do a quick run on the treadmill if that's an option. And, and the, the two-year-old's getting better. It's getting to the point where I can shower at least while he's watching TV. Um, and I, I think pretty soon I will be able to at least run in like 
eight minute spurts and then go check on him. Um, on, you know, if I'm running on the treadmill downstairs and he's watching TV and I'll be able to go down for like eight minutes and run and come up and like, make sure that if there's commercials, I forward through and then go back down. <laughs> so slowly I will get my mornings back. Um, and it's not like running on a rolling running stroller is an option. I've got, got the, the other, other three, three so I can't not leave. They, they're not old that. enough yet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I was showering in the morning. The good th- the thing is though with, with morning routines is that it's really about doing stuff in the morning that you would not be able to do the rest of the day. And and so when I've written about people's morning routines, it's often with that in mind. Like you don't have to get up at five AM just to get up at five AM. And you don't have to have a morning routine if there aren't things in your life that would work for that, right? So the truth is, I mean, if I think about what would I do if I got up early to do a morning routine, because I have experimented with it in in the past in in particular, but, you know, I'd get up, I'd I'd run, I'd probably spend an hour doing focused work, like planning and strategic thinking and maybe cranking out drafts of you know, stuff that really needed my, my attention and focus. But the honest truth of the matter is I can do those things during the day. That's the upside of self-employment, right? And I totally and you cannot. cannot. <laughs> you can't just be like, sorry, I'm taking a little bit of flexibility while I have four patients sitting in the waiting room waiting for me. And I'm going to go run. Like you, you can't do that. Whereas if I'm, you know, looking at my day, I say, well, I intentionally didn't schedule a call between let's say one and 2 PM. So I can take that time and go run. And that's, so if I couldn't do that, then obviously I would have to get up in the morning and, and run every day. And I'd probably be a lot more disciplined about it. And, you know, I'd be waking up at five to make sure I got up before the, the two-year-old. But, you know. You, it, yeah, because it's sort of like, you. in my case, like, would I rather get up? Th- wouldn't I rather just wake up when I wake up? Kind of. But it's 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 really not a, it's a choice i guess it's a choice do i want my my free time to be in the morning before my day of work and before i've had all the time with the kids or do i want it to be in the evening and in my case there are like nine factors that make the morning more desirable like the main one being my energy level but you know there's just sort of like to me my ability to accomplish things, my desire to accomplish things, the clear headedness of my mind, my physical energy, those are all there in the morning and none of them are there after work, which is the only other real time that I might have a little discretionary window. Like I know some people are super productive after their kids go to bed, but because that doesn't work, I don't have that much of a well-defined evening routine other than like hang out with the kids and then pass out with a book. Whereas my morning is really orchestrated to take advantage of that. So I think you kind of have to figure out if you have a non-flexible job, like which one works for you? Because there's not a right answer. I mean, tons of people do runs and all kinds of stuff after work. But for me, it has to yeah, be. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, even people who think they will after work or think they will at night still wind up with the issue of their energy levels being lower toward the end of the day. There are some people who are, yes, total night owls. They are truly writing the great American novel at night or, you know, planning out their great business ideas at night or they can go run at night or whatever. That's great. Most people, like if they look at what they're doing before they're going to bed, it tends not to be really high value activities. I mean, that's, we have leisure time at night, but we spend it kind of puttering around the house or like on social media or watching a lot of TV and stuff. And and many hours can pass that way, but it's hard to motivate yourself to do some of that, like, you know, important but not urgent stuff that Sarah is doing with her morning routine. And so for a lot of people, it would work better to try and cut that puttering off earlier at night, go to bed a little bit earlier 
wake up a little bit earlier, turn some of those unproductive evening hours into productive morning hours. Like, you know, when people say, I'll do it at the end of the day. It's like, well, you'll do it with whatever time is left over, but then turns out that there's not any time left over. You have to factor yeah. in energy yeah. too. I mean, that's a huge part of the equation. Do you have any pl- like more any morning routine on weekends? Because I have much less of one. Yeah. I mean, some some weekend mornings, I've tried to, every couple of weeks, I go for a long run um, with one of my friends around here. We go to a local trail and run, you know, some number of miles, eight usually, or 10 if she's training for something. And it's, it's good because she's fast <laughs> and I'm not really that fast, but it forces me to be fast. So any of my long runs that have actually been done at a speedy pace have been because she's been pacing me pretty much. So, uh, you know, we do that like, uh, and that's uh, get up and do that. I love when I can do that. In the weekends. Sunday mornings, I'm now getting myself to church relatively early because I joined the church choir. And so we have rehearsals yeah, at routine. nine o'clock on Sunday morning. And so I have to get up on time to get myself there before the 10 o'clock service. And so we have rehearsal at nine and 10 o'clock is the service. So I guess that's my Sunday routine. So in a way, yeah, I mean, sometimes I do. I, I like to get up on Saturday and run and Sunday go to church and it's not quite as early as it would have to be during the week, but um, it's, you know, still kind of nice. That is nice. I always like waffle between wanting to just sort of like get up early and get my runs out of the way on weekends. But the truth is I want to stay up later too. So it doesn't really work unless I know I can get a nap. So I typically just kind of sleep till the kids wake up. And then my husband and I will like try to take turns, although sometimes it ends up being me just because I am the more natural morning person. And if I'm like naturally awake when they are awake, I'm not going to like you know, force him to get up if I'm awake in the bed, but then I'll just get in my run like after he wakes up or, or whatever. So I, I don't have as much of a routine on weekends because there's just not yeah. the necessity. And I think, you know, even if you don't have like Sarah's built in two hours and 45 minutes for her morning here, but you know, even if that's not going to work, like still just taking like 30 minutes to do something that's cool for you can, I think, make life feel a lot better in many ways. Absolutely. It's definitely gets the day started on like, oh, well, I've already done something for me. So, you know, how bad can it get? <laughs> and I, I, I've, I've heard a couple of people who've even done things like, you know, if it doesn't work to work at home or to go whatever. I mean, I know one man who went and did focused work in the Waffle House near his house. He had a Waffle House nearby and he'd go and order eggs, not waffles, because eating waffles every day would um, probably not be a great <laughs> idea. Eggs and eggs coffee, and coffee. sounds eggs good. And but, um, you know, could use that hour to, to work and then come back as everyone was, was getting up in that way. He didn't wake up other people as much, um, by, by being there. So, you know, you just sort of have to figure out like what works for you. And, you know, again, you don't have to do a morning routine. People are often like surprised to hear that I'm not, you know, up at four thirty doing stuff I'm like, no. I am not up at four thirty on, on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Except I've been thinking about it. Though, what am I, what am I going to do? Like, let's say something beautiful happens in the sense of my two-year-old suddenly starts sleeping like the older kids. And Oh yeah, that's a good, a good thought, thought experiment because it is going to come true. Like if what I had to wake do? all of them up at 7.45 to, to get on the bus, I, yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to do because I do like to stay up late and read. So I don't know if I would stay up till midnight and read <laughs> and then I would wake up at seven, get myself ready and then get them ready. Huh? Which I think is totally, I mean, as long as that's your intention, and then 
that's valid because it's true. It's like, why, why, why get up earlier to fit in a run if you enjoy staying up to read when you can get your run in later? Like, I, I, you yeah. Know, so <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I, especially in the summer, it's good to do the runs in the morning. So then I'd have to, I'd have to shift that too. But yes. But oh my gosh. Weather wise, that must, well, cause you, you then you don't have to use the <laughs> Which treadmill. Which I hate yeah. the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> necessary evil. Yes. All right. Well, speaking of necessary evil is how we get that into our Q and a here. I, that was, oh, that was good. Uh, <laughs> so we have a listener question this week from a, a long time blog reader who wrote in that she had a question about school fundraisers and events in an already time crunch schedule. So this, this woman and her family recently moved to a new state. Um, they're now sending their kids to the local public school. Um, they had been at a private school before. And she said, our new public school literally has multiple fundraisers and events every single month, like selling stuff, dine out nights, spirit days. I cannot for the life of me imagine how two working parent families keep track of all this stuff. Maybe they just don't. Also, how do they make time to volunteer in their kids' classrooms on top of all this stuff and figure out where your time is better spent, volunteering versus fundraising? And, and this woman is saying, you know, she, she moves, so she currently doesn't have a job. She's going to find one there in her, her new location in, in the next few months. But she says, I don't even have a job, and I'm struggling with this right now. Maybe it's just that it doesn't take much to make me, make me feel guilty that I'm not doing something. So how do we handle school fundraisers and uh, events? What a great and timely question. I'm, I'm interested to hear what your public school is like, but ours is the same thing. Oh my goodness. It's like crazy. Like there's solicitations. I feel like it's actually maybe more for money than for time at this juncture, but they do tend to like love to have like this event and that event. Well, I mean, first of all, if the goal of the event is fundraising, then your presence at the event doesn't necessarily matter. Right? So if, if, I mean, I got invited recently to some like swanky thing that's like going to be at some nice bar that's a week before my due date. And I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that no. sounds like so not <laughs> fun. not going to happen, <laughs> but I can donate and do that really quick online or in an envelope or something and then like move on, you know, so because they'll still get their fundraising that they want to get and I don't have to participate. I mean, my general rule for like the actual events for fundraising is like if I think it will be fun, then I'll think about attending for the fun social aspects, for the networking perhaps. And if it doesn't sound fun or like doesn't like seamlessly fit, then forget it. Maybe I'll give some money. Maybe I'll do the next one because there's always going to be a next one coming. Yeah. I am. I'm a big fan of like not buying the wrapping paper. I, you know, I don't want or need the wrapping paper and it's, it's, no, I don't want to buy stuff. I'd rather literally just just check because it is such an inefficient way to get the school money. So yeah, I'd rather write a check, um, donate stuff for, um, a fundraiser or whatever. And so one thing we did, I mean, so we can look for opportunities to do that. So for instance, my fifth grader, they have a fifth grade activity fee, um, which of course is not required. I mean, this is a public school, like they're not going to make you pay for your kid to participate in, in fifth grade, uh, special activities. But you know, what I did is I just doubled the fee and I, I wrote a check for that. And so oh, that awesome. will cover some and other like, give this to somebody couldn't who couldn't cover, cover it. It. So that's, that's amazing. a very simple thing to do. Like if there's something that is a fee that they're asking people for, just, you know, top it up if you can. Um, and that's one way you can, you can do that. You know, as for volunteering, I think it's a tricky one. I, I've, I certainly like to do stuff with the kids. I also know that sometimes it seems almost like there's a bit of a make work element because we do have a district that has a lot of parents who are, um, 
home with their kids. Yes. Like they want to, I had to be, I'm like, who's going to be very, this? very careful. <laughs> they, want, they want to feel needed or like, yes, no, I, I, I do. I know what you're saying. And, and I don't know if your district is like mine, but there are a lot of stay at home moms and, and that's great. I'm, I'm, you know, I, if they enjoy doing lots of stuff, then awesome. Cause it's only benefiting the kids. But sometimes, you know, I really have to question, do they really need extra bodies there or? Yeah. And no. it is amazing what people <laughs> are taking on. Like, I know, yes. <laughs> you know, the other morning I had to come into school at 9am for a meeting. And of course there's the crush of children coming in at 9am, right? When school starts. And I was walking in, I, they, this woman could in the lobby could see, I was sort of angling toward the office to get myself, you know, permission to come into school. And she's like, no, no, come over here. And then she was signing in parents who had meetings or any, you know, contractors who had things that were going Going on at the school so that the school administration didn't have to do it. Right. And I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing that somebody just does this, you know, and they have a different parent there every morning, basically doing this. And it's a way to free up capacity. Um, they have parents doing the sign outs in the afternoons. And that's an incredibly valuable thing in terms of freeing up school staff capacity to focus on other things. So I mean, I'm thrilled that people do it. On the other hand, like, you know, there's many parents who, who you simply are not going to be able to commit to be there from, say, you know, 8.30 to 9.45 every Monday. I mean, that's not something well, that... And that's that's the nice thing about... I, I feel like I don't even have to, like... Like, actually, there were, I think there was a PTA meeting today, and I was like, I, I didn't even, like, write it down because I'm at work. And, and then the truth is, like, I guess I don't feel like I'm missing that much. Um, I know that they give announcements and I do read the announcements. And if if there's something that affects us, then of course, that's great to know. But like my actual presence at the meeting, I don't think would have been all that helpful for me or them. So it's, well, and and so, you know, what I've done also is if it's something that really matters to my kid. So I, at first was being a bit bah humbug about the school book fair. Like they had asked parents to come in and volunteer for the school book fair. And I did it the first year and I was like, well, this is insane. They don't need me here. They have like five other parents in the library. You know, the kids are not even really needing us anyway, because the librarian is so incredibly competent. She's running the whole thing anyway. So it's not like we were, we were necessary, but my kid was then so excited to see me in the library during the time that he was shopping for books. And so I realized, well, this is a day I could come in and help out and see my kids there at school and they get excited about that. So stuff like that. Yeah. And then that makes it fun for you. You know what I mean? Like, so yesterday I went in for some class stuff, but I wasn't really volunteering. It was more like, oh, this is fun for Annabelle and it's actually fun for me. So I think if you ask yourself that question, like, is it really good for your kid and do you want to do it? You're going to naturally be inclined to do it. And if it doesn't fit those two criteria, just move on. There'll be more. And then, and then vote for your local public schools to be well-funded. <laughs> and donate and really do donate yes. if you can. I mean, there's some really great causes. There are students who can't afford lots of things. And a lot of times, you know, people may be more willing to put in time than money, but if you are working and have the ability, then putting then, in the money is you know. probably pretty efficient. Yeah. 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 So I, I would say that's definitely how we, we handle that. All right, Sarah, love of the week. Let's get to that. Uh, my love of the week, I wanted to stay on the sleep theme. 
I love sound machines. And um, it's so is that how you guys are not I'm hearing not each other's recommend. alarms? Is that you have a sound? No, we actually, we don't use one in our room. Although I think we will put one back in there once the baby's born. Cause I think it helps to like mask those little tiny noises that you really don't need to wake up from. But no, our kids each have one in their room and there, it just plays like the sound of rain. And I think it really helps them not to wake up early in the morning, hearing us get up. And I think it really sets the mood at night when it's like part of the bedtime routine and they hear that sound go on. I think there's a little bit of a Pavlovian element to it that I am not about to give up anytime right. soon. So um, we are all about the sound machines. We use these little like $20 ones from Amazon. And I will admit that like every time they get dropped, we end up having to buy a new one. So they're not the best made things ever, but usually they last a year or two. And um, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, a lot of, of sleep. So, yes. Yeah. Something every day. So, yeah. so my, my love of the week, if I I want to stay on the sleep theme here. I'll say Max Pillow Soft earplugs. So unfortunately, mm. they're harder to find now. I can only get them at Target. Like CVS started only carrying. That's our our you know drugstore around here. They started only carrying their their brand, like their house brand, and they are not as good. I will put that out there. <laughs> that uh, Max are are better, and they're and they're supposed to reduce the decibels by like 22 decibels or something. So if you, you know, you can wear them for concerts if you wanted to, but they're kind of ugly. So <laughs> they're like this big wax chunks that you stick in your ear. So it is possible that my husband snores. We'll, we'll put that out there. <laughs> and so for, for years, um, the, the max pillow soft earplugs were kind of, you know, the sanity saver in, in that regard. Yes. Cool. Anyone else has that issue? <laughs> now I actually, I mean, I, I sometimes, you know, wear them even in hotel rooms though, because you never know like what random noises there are going to be. And, and so it's a nice way that if you are the kind of person who wakes up relatively easily, just, you know, if there's somebody deciding that they need to yell something in the hallway, maybe that'll be the difference between you waking up and not waking up and getting a good night's sleep. And they're not complete sound yeah. So you hear that. So I mean, yeah, like the fire alarm is going off. You'll, you'll hear that. I feel like they're a version yes, of a sound exactly. machine because, exactly. you know, you don't in my ears. Well, anyway, this has been Best of Both Worlds, Episode 15. We've been discussing mornings and sleep in general. Tune in next week for more on how to make work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.